I really want it to be 80s newscaster music. This show is not allied with any sect, denomination, political entity, organization, or institution. Does not engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any cause. Neither do we. We're not affiliated with Al-Anon or any other 12-step program. The opinions expressed here are strictly of the person who gave them. Please take what you like and leave the rest. Hi, I'm Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, I'm Claire. Hi, Claire. And this is Crosstalk. How you doing? Let's get current. How was your week? <sighs> Had a tough week. Yeah? Yeah. Which, which is... Um, you know, I find that like the longer I'm program they and that I'm in program they say, and I have experienced that um, the discomfort comes less frequently and for shorter periods of time. Mm-hmm. I also have experienced that because I'm in less discomfort, it's less familiar. So when it comes, sometimes it feels really strong, um, like almost like more uncomfortable than it was before. And like my biggest thing that I'm working on continue to every day as often as I can is self-love and self-care because I really want to shame myself around being uncomfortable you know I want to think things like gosh I've been in program and I work a program so hard and so like why do I feel uncomfortable why can't I just fucking deal with this and you know I'm just a human being like living a human experience doing the best I can um so yeah so that's what uh, a lot of work stuff this week that felt stressful some people that left our company that I really relied on and figuring out where they're, you know, it's just like a lot of removing tasks and change. responsibilities. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I don't like change because change meant for so long that like I was going to be hurt emotionally, physically, whatever. So, um, Sounds like you have a lot yeah. of awareness around it. Yeah, and I got to work my program, and guess what? Like, it didn't ruin my evenings. I didn't think about work when I wasn't at work. It was just challenging while I was there, and I worked through it, and that's the gift of the of wearing this program like a loose garment and, like, showing up for it, you know? I think I had the opposite experience this week. Um, nothing was wrong. That's unusual for you. I know. <laughs> things are just getting so not wrong, uh-huh. um, and it's very uncomfortable sometimes because you're not sure, I'm not sure what to do with myself sometimes in those situations. Are you uncomfortable when things are going okay? I might be uncomfortable when things are going right. I, um, I hate to admit it. Um, I mean, I prefer it, and I've never been happier, but it does make me feel like I don't have a task. There's nothing to do, mm. and... That's new, you know, that's definitely, and program has changed as a result. So I don't work my program to survive. I work my program for fun and for free or for recovery and growth. Like I don't need it to make it from morning to night in one piece. Hmm. I can use it to expand myself, but it's no longer like a survival tool. And sure, that's like my from survival to, to recovery or like yeah. it's no longer like, uh, I mean, I guess what I'm hearing you say is like, uh, what's the phrase? There's a phrase. Um, I don't know, but I mean, basically meaning if I don't work my program that day, I would also be fine. And that before, if I didn't work my program that day, I mean, it was the only way I could get through the day for a couple of years, you know, being, uh, in this program. So it's interesting, but I also have to discover a new relationship with myself that doesn't involve this like rigidity of the program in order to like structure my survival. Mm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's nice, you know, go to movies, mm-hmm. read books, take naps. I take a lot of naps. Just, Good uh, for you. I have a lot of free time when wow. you're not obsessing Good about the alcoholic. You, Corey. I like to keep the focus on myself. <laughs> um, which is actually going to be our topic today. On some keeping level. the focus on ourselves? Not keeping the focus on ourselves, but basically being okay whether the alcoholic is drinking or not. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the hardest things to learn. And I think it's one of the reasons a lot of people come to the room in the first place. Um, get the alcoholic to stop drinking. Well, to get the, yeah, and then we realize we can't. And yeah. then we realize we have to be okay anyway. And I think that's really challenging. And much like I'd have nothing to really work on to do during the days, I think that's Corey's a lot of... making air quotes. Air quotes right now. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people's experience that that is their full-time job is to you know, worry about the alcoholic, check up sure. on the alcoholic. So sure. being okay, no matter what the outcomes of that was, was not something that was available to me. So yeah, I relate that would be a to great that. topic for us today. Yeah, and for our guest. Oh, we have a guest. Yeah, well, we always have a guest. 
And our guest is John. Hi, John. John thank Hi you for guys. joining us today. Thank you for asking me. I'm glad to be here. It's a hot day. Summer has sprung. Uh, it's the first official day of summer. It's like a thousand degrees. Oh, outside. is it? Well, I don't know. That's what John said earlier. Well, the 21st was actually the first official day, and it was cloudy and sunless. So it doesn't count. Didn't count at right. all. So today, according to John, the new meteorologist for the United States, um, or the world, uh, this is the first official day of summer. How are you enjoying your first official day of summer? I'm enjoying it because I'm taking care of myself and not pushing myself to do more than I'm able to today. Perfect. Recognizing a shift in my energy and grateful to be here with the two of you and to be able to talk mm. about program. Love it. Well, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and share your story? Yeah, we'll jump. We'll just do a 10-minute lead. Yeah. And how would you like your time, John? Eight and two, please, Claire. Okay, you got it. Done Thank and you. done. Hi, I'm John. Hi, John. Hi, John. I started program several years ago because I had uh, involved myself in an intervention with a sister whose drinking bothers me. I'm the fourth of five children, and she's the youngest of us five. And in that family that was affected by the family disease, uh, I was given a lot of responsibility with respect to her life and and her care. And uh, I took it and ran with it. You know, it's something that allowed me to project outward onto her all of my need to be cared for, something that allowed me to have something outside of myself to uh, look toward and to care for. So between her and my mother, I was quite busy caring for uh, someone other than myself or two people other than myself. And so I had uh, good training as a young Al-Anon. And when her drinking had come to such a point that her husband was calling me every morning and telling me about the horror of the previous night, her stepson and I decided uh, at his suggestion to intervene. And I talked her into going into a local recovery place that had already been organized to receive her. And um, she went and uh, I said to her when she said to me, I don't have a good feeling about this as I dropped her off. I said to her, no, they're going to help you, and uh, it's all going to get better. I was wrong. My prediction was wrong. Imagine that. <laughs> mm, surprising. Surprising as someone who predicts the future regularly. And <laughs> she lost her mind and proceeded to um, grab phones in the uh, in-house recovery center and call me and say angry things. And I received her calls because they were coming from strange numbers, not her own cell phone, which had been taken. And uh, she would start in some diatribe, and I would say, I love you, goodbye, and hang up. Well, clearly things had not gone as I had wanted or predicted, and she got out as soon as she could. She left her husband's house with some furniture and her dog and took an apartment that she did not let anyone know the location of, and soon after that attempted suicide, calling her husband to say goodbye. And she did not succeed in killing herself, but um, it was a wake-up call for me that this older brother syndrome, this mommy-daddy parent syndrome that I'd clung to for a lifetime was not having the effect that I desired and was not being of any help to her. So I went to my first Al-Anon meeting and from the beginning felt that I had landed on my own planet with my own people. Mm -hmm. The shares, it was a Hollywood meeting, it was a big meeting and the people were varied and I related to something in each and every one of the shares. And so I saw myself in everyone and I heard myself in every share and I never stopped going. I slowly, slowly started to absorb the program. And, and that's the thing. I've seen the tendency in myself and others to use the program as a weapon against myself, to mm -hmm. weaponize the program. And as I heard Claire say in the introduction, judge myself for not being more recovered more quickly, judge myself for not behaving in a way that is uh, more in line with what I learn in Al-Anon. 
And so one of the most helpful things I ever heard in a meeting was someone say, referring to their own experience, that they had learned to receive information and that information was not ammunition. Because previously it was very easy and can still be very easy for me to pick up a piece of information and use it as a weapon against myself or you. So to perceive information as just something I now have and know and not use it against myself or others is a good practice I try to keep to. And slowly I got a sponsor, I started working the steps, and I consistently went to meetings and that's been a really big help for me and a big cornerstone of my recovery because growing up in a family of five children and two parents who stayed together, I experienced a lot of isolation and loneliness in a house full of people. And I was able to feel isolated and lonely in a lot of situations that were not isolated and alone. And to start to build a community and receive the community of Al-Anon was really important for me. And I started to think differently about myself, about my situation. I remember at that very first meeting in Hollywood that I understood just from that one first meeting that detachment was something I desperately needed. And I remember uh, clinging to that detachment one sheet um, and I, I still like to read it from time to time. I learned love was enmeshment in that unhealthy family. I learned that I was supposed to be a mind reader. My mother literally said, if you loved me, you'd know what I need. And so I believe that to be true because our parents are our higher powers before we get to be adults and form other higher powers. And that's another thing that I love about the program, the genius of each of us being able to construct our own higher power and the intelligence of that higher power being dependent on our definition and being changeable, being subject to growth and change and being informed by love because we're told to build a loving higher power of our own understanding. And I don't quite understand my higher power, but uh, it is loving. Whatever that energy is, it is loving. That relationship with my sister after she was saved from suicide and uh, ended up back with her husband in their house together uh, was slow going in terms of being repaired and coming back into relationship with her. She was angry at me, justifiably, because I did something that I really had no right or certainly no expertise or knowledge about. And um, I also was filled with self-righteousness and, and, and judgment and a kind of superiority in that older brother syndrome in, in my not being an alcoholic. God knows I have my own habits and some of them are unhealthy and have been more unhealthy at various points in my life. But because I'm not an alcoholic, I do and can assume, or I have and can still assume, a measure of superiority around that. Mm -hmm. um, so we repaired the relationship, and it, I continue to maintain a relationship with her, and it's gotten so much better. It has continued to go up and down with respect to her use of drugs and alcohol, with respect to her own mental issues. And sometimes it's warm and loving and friendly, and sometimes it's not but uh, I continue to choose to maintain a relationship. It took a long time for me to understand what it was to be happy, whether or not someone's behavior was pleasing to me. That was a slow go for me. It was something I heard from the beginning, certainly it's, it's read at every meeting, and something people talked about, but I remember the first time I heard someone say, give the alcoholic the dignity of their own experience and the idea that someone had a dignity to experience and to make whatever choice they wanted in life to experience what they would and choose what they what they would was foreign to me because it meant my releasing my self-righteous judgments so I think my happiness whether or not someone else's behavior is pleasing to me depends on my understanding finally now that there is space between me and other human beings and that my responsibility and my power to the limited degree that it exists ends at my skin 
and there is space between me and other human beings. And it is only in that space between me and you that there can be some God. If I'm right up against it, then I'm acting as your higher power or my own higher power, and neither of those come to very good ends. So it's really nice to be able to have some elbow room and to allow someone to be happy or unhappy. I'm still affected by my sister's moods. I still take her temperature quite regularly, and I wish I didn't. But I am aware of what I'm doing, and I'm less burdened by it. I can, I can talk about it uh, at a meeting or to a fellow on the phone or to my sponsor. I can write about it. I can recognize that I'm doing it, and I can pray to be restored to some sanity, which would include my having a separate life from her and whatever experience she is going through. And that stands for all my relationships. That also stands for my relationship with myself, because I can see myself engaged in life, and I can be right up against it, or I can have some space between me and me. I can have some loving detachment with myself so that things are not so critical and things are so, not so pressed up against my nose that I don't remember that they will change and generally change pretty quickly. Thanks, guys. Thank you, John. Thank, Thank you, you for John. sharing that. That was lovely. Your voice, by the way, is also so good. It should just be its own podcast. <laughs> we have to find a topic for you, like a podcast show for you to host. Maybe like a therapy show. That sounds like a great idea, Corey. Why don't we tell John what he should do with his life? <laughs> I'm so glad I came today. I want to keep the We've focus the on myself by planning your next career move. I know exactly um, what you're going to do, John. No, it's, it's, it's easy. You've got a voice <laughs> for radio, my friend. A Thank voice you. for radio. And a face for film. Um, it's my body that's the problem. And a body for porn. Um, <laughs> good thing you have detachment. Good thing you have detachment. <laughs> um, so let's crosstalk. Yeah, let's crosstalk about that. Um, well, you know, that, it's this topic is really interesting to me, and, and I think... Um, I think a lot about the first time I really felt like I could experience that. And I'd be curious to hear your experience. But the moment when I actually, because I used to, particularly in my divorce, I would check in, I would be happy, going along, having a happy day. Um, and I wasn't in a relationship with an alcoholic, but there were similar, you know, tendencies. Uh, but uh, I remember the, he, there was such an intense enmeshment and in, in all that. When you speak about enmeshment a lot, it really resonates with me. But I remember going along my day being happy and then I would check in and like, oh, right, the other person is angry at me or feels guilt. I should feel guilty. And I would check back into those emotions and drop back into those emotions and remove the happiness. So this this was like the, you know, the brass ring to achieve. And I remember like, I don't remember the exact day, so maybe you won't either. But I do remember like moments where it was like, oh, I actually went through the whole day and I thought about it, the other person, but didn't check in with those emotions. Those emotions didn't have any power over me. There was that space. So I'm curious if you have an example or a story about when you really remember feeling that or maybe it's a time period or something. I don't really have that kind of a memory that works that <laughs> way. I never did. Yeah, I yeah, never yeah. will. But I do remember uh, moments and experiences with friends and with family where the awareness of my deep enmeshment emotionally, my deep absorption and grabbing of, of someone else's emotion was really obvious to me. And I think the way program has worked inside of me and the way recovery has shown itself to me is uh, facing that awareness, you know, when I see myself. It happened quite recently. I was working with someone, a friend who's also in program, and uh, we were getting toward the end of this creative work together. And as it was getting more to a point of a kind of critical exposure of the work we had created, his anxiety was suddenly really evident. And uh, we got together to work on it, and I left our session of work. And uh, as I walked back to the car, I was keenly aware that something I had arrived to with a lot of lightness and kind of a happy mood was now taking me home with a lot of anxiety and worry and concern. And uh, I just was aware of it. You know, the three A's are so valuable, awareness, acceptance, and action. And I know Claire loves them and speaks to them often because I've, she I've heard She made prayer hands while he's speaking, <laughs> just for those at home. Claire has a glow around her right now, all yeah. of you listening. Awareness, acceptance, action. Acceptance tends to be the hardest one, I feel, and I've heard a lot of other fellows say. 
And for my money, acceptance involves doing my best to relinquish judgment because if I'm judging myself for having an experience, including an experience of emotional enmeshment, a lack of detachment emotionally, if I'm judging myself for it, I find it lingers longer if I recognize it's just a product of the way I grew up and the way I have been habitually living my life and I'm gentle and kind about having it to deal with, then I find it relinquishes its grasp on me more quickly. Yeah. So I didn't answer your question at all. That's Corey. okay. They don't all have answers. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> Wait, what was the question? I was asking about a time you felt <laughs> you could feel, like do you have a, you know, like the day JFK was shot or 9-11, um, like do you have the day where you're like, that was the day I was happy sure. whether the alcoholic was drinking or not and I had took note of that. Sure. But I don't have that either. So it was I don't kind either. of not a really clear question. No, I think it's a great question. It is a good question. I think it's a great question because this program and my experience, well, first it's a spiritual program. Um, you know, said said in the literature that it is, and it is my personal experience that it is a spiritual program. And spirituality isn't a switch for me. It's a learning. It's an everyday I'm learning something new. Um, and to what you were saying, John, you know, it's, uh, I heard a lot of like, you know, the three T's, things take time. Uh, and like, I can't say that I know the day that I was like, wow. I'm not thinking about my boss. Um, I because I actually for me it's it's hard to have it. You know whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not for me is very much like and my sponsor um, encourages me to remove alcoholic from all of our literature and replace it with people, places, and things. Um, and like I'm like in a a place of like really learning about things taking power and real estate over me which is like whoa like people it's easier to see places it's easier to see i think it's like another nuance of the things but um like your car yeah sure what was that a are you referring to something specific well a specific example well i just said i didn't know if you were trying to like hint to something you know about no i'm just wondering if you think the stuffed animals come to life and run your life at night. I hear what you're saying. Because if so... No, like my car is a great example because I like to have a really clean car. It's filthy in my mind right now. And literally somebody got in my car the other day and was like, oh, it's so nice in here. And I was like, fucking... And then I jaded about it. I just... I justified about it. I explained about it. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, it's a lot cleaner. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but that's a thing I don't... I don't have control and powers over. And also, like... I get to be okay whether my fucking car's clean or not. Whether I had wanted to put into my schedule to, to, cause I really like to clean my car. It takes me like three hours to do it the way I want to do it. I don't really like taking it to people. I could afford it, but I don't like to. Those are all choices that I'm making. And I get to be okay if like I need to vacuum. Who Like, oh, I didn't used to be able to do that. I did, I, when I started program, I could not do that. I would have killed myself to go to the car wash and then not can be able to have any control over how long I was there at, till it had to be perfect because that's the only place I could find control you know and it's just like oh I'm so happy that over time there was no day that that changed there was no day that that changed there was slowly I would go fuck I've been here for like two hours and I think I'm done today or oh gosh it's okay I, I, my, I'm gonna go pick up my mom at the airport and it's okay, she doesn't, Claire, she doesn't care. You know, I'll call a sponsor, I'll call a friend, I'll, I'll whatever, and I'll go, oh, I don't, that thing doesn't, how important is it? It doesn't have to be that important anymore. I really, yeah, I mean, I hear that. I also really love that you talked a lot about enmeshment, because I feel like a lot of this stuff comes from enmeshment, and it's not something that's regularly, I mean, I don't, I could look it up in the literature, but I don't know that it's something that's regularly read about. People speak about it. I think I may have seen it in Hope for Today, which is the newest of the readers. We can look it up. It's right so here. Look it up right there. But, um, we can look it up later. But I, what I wanted to talk, what I wanted to ask you about was, you know, what do you think it is about, and you can't obviously speak for all alcoholic homes, but your home that, or alcoholism as a disease and the, your experience that leads to that enmeshment. Like, what is that connection between enmeshment and alcoholism? Mm. I think 
enmeshment is all about a lack of distinct boundaries, uh, personally, psychologically, physically, emotionally. And I think alcoholism is about blurred boundaries amongst a million other things. And I know that in that family there were requirements for us to fulfill each other's unspoken needs. I think alcoholism and, and, and those of us affected by it, Al-Anon-ism, I think for me is about um, not having to speak, not having to define and speak the truth clearly. I think it's about expectations, which we certainly have a lot about. Did you find enmeshment? In it isn't in there. It isn't in there. Yeah. Um, attachment is, I bet. Yeah, there's lots of attachment. Lots of detachment. So and uh, attachment, I think. And attachment. Yeah. So uh, I think because taking responsibility for myself and giving you back responsibility for yourself is hard to come by in alcoholic environments. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess yeah. Inherently, they're not taking responsibility. And I'm not either. I'm right. taking responsibility for you, so I don't have to take responsibility for myself. That's true. So you yeah. have to be enmeshed. I mean, that's the codependent cycle. Yeah, exactly right. Otherwise, Otherwise it can't exist. exist. Yeah. yeah. The, the disease yeah. can't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. vagueness, it's a, it grows and lives in vagueness, for sure. Really which can... is a, a big part of enmeshment, I think. A big part of mm -hmm. codependency is vagueness. It's like, where are you? Where am I? Where? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, because I think I felt most comfortable. I felt most comfortable in vagueness. Anything too clear was too <laughs> clear, right? Like vagueness was a safe spot because anything's possible in vagueness. So you can fantasize and you can yeah. deny yeah. and you can do all that yeah. stuff in the vagueness. And so not clarifying was was really the comfort zone Seems for me safe. for so long. Yeah. And I mean, not need, anymore. We need comfort, especially as kids in dysfunctional environments. We mm -hmm. need comfort where we find it. So if it's in fantasy and, and vagueness, albeit. And just not as grown-ups, it doesn't quite work anymore. <laughs> no, I do not enjoy vagueness in my life anymore, but uh, I understand the inclination. Yeah. Claire, do you feel like you grew up in an enmeshed household? <laughs> 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 Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I, I like to share this. Uh, it's, I'm like, how appropriate is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's our thing. Um, so, like, we had a huge bathroom. We, uh, I grew up in, like, a farmhouse. Not on a farm, but uh, in a big farmhouse. So it was, like, square with big square rooms. And the bathroom was, like, I don't know, 15 by 15, like it was pretty big for a bathroom. And there was like a tub and a like laundry folding um, thing and uh, the, you know, the sink and the toilet. And then there was all this room in there and people would just fucking come and hang out in the bathroom when you were in the bathroom, like taking a shit. People would like come in and just, oh hi, oh yeah, I just need to get a towel. I just, oh, gotta get something out of it. Really, do you need to get that out of here right now? So there were not, I mean, that's just such a like hard, physical, clear example for me of like, that was how all of it was, you know, like, I slept in my parents' bed till I was like nine, like, cause I wanted to, I would go get in my bed and then I would be like, I'm pretty sure they're watching Jay Leno. And then I would go in there and I'd be like, hi guys, I'm going to watch Jay Leno with you. And they were like, okay. <laughs> they were just like, okay. And some of that was really wonderful. I <laughs> experienced a lot of love and like physical love in a way that I experienced a lot of people didn't, which was crazy to me as I was growing up. I didn't understand that people weren't hugged every day. Um, but also sometimes you don't fucking want to be hugged. You know, that was like, oh, are you okay? You're not okay. Let me like fix it and hug you and touch you and kiss you and make it better. And so today, like boundaries for me are the hardest thing. They are the hardest part of my program. 100% every day is painful to even right now. Like I feel pain around understanding that like, God, I just wish I could say to my girlfriend, like, no, baby. And mm -hmm. that's it. It's so hard for me to just say no to her about anything that she requests. Can you, you like saying, rub my back? And I'm like, no, not right now. That's interesting because you say no to me all the time. I don't sleep with you. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much nothing but no from that one when I need something. Um, Corey loves to like smear the sarcasm. I don't, I don't know what bit. you're talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I did pick a reading 
uh, that goes with this. It's in a detach. It's from detachment, but I I want to talk about this topic with you based on what you shared. But it's February tenth from Hope for Today, and it says the roles I played for a long time in my family were those of caretaker and fixer. I was the nurturing mother my mom never had. It was my responsibility to care for her emotionally and often physically. I was an over-vigilant child, constantly on guard lest something awful should happen. As I grew in Al-Anon, it became clear that my true responsibility was to care for myself. I began to see how my caretaking and controlling actually hurt others, possibly cheating them out of an opportunity to learn and grow. I decided to attempt detachment with love. For me, detachment doesn't mean abandoning others. It means that I mind my own business and that I don't have all the answers or solutions. And it goes on, but I think that's interesting the hardest part about detachment for me is the other person and not, it is me, but particularly in situations where the other person doesn't really believe that you should be detaching, which is pretty typical and generally feel <laughs> projecting that they are victims in some way and you are actually abandoning them and then voicing and verbalizing and all that stuff to you. And so I wonder if you had that experience where you're doing that and, and the other person doesn't, does believe that you're doing all of these things to them and, and how you maintain that that process. Yeah, the first thing I think of is a program friend who, uh, because they have program, has responded with um, some anger and discomfort and recognized that what I'm doing is a valuable boundary for me and honored it mm. unhappily. But mm. they have program. And I've thought of a friend who's not in program, and she recently accused me of being non-opinionated, uh, <laughs> being neutral to a degree that annoyed her. Mm -hmm. I've had that. <laughs> You've had that too. I've heard people tell me that. Or not yeah. that, but like... That kind of thing. Or a friend of mine was like, I don't want you to not give me your advice all the time anymore. Like, that's part of our banter. <laughs> now, granted, she said that, so I try to meet her on some level, but um, yeah, it's not necessarily... that. They There's a feeling from people that that is how closeness occurs. Yes, and God knows I come from that. Yeah. Um, but now, so when she said that to me, I said, well, you know, I, I try to talk about the things that matter to me and that I, I have a personal relationship with. A lot of other things I don't have a great deal of opinion on. And uh, that's why maybe it's changed. Um, yeah. Yeah, it feels like gossip. Yeah, it does feel like gossip. And I was just thinking about that, yeah. that title. I do want to say that, you know, talking about detachment and enmeshment, Alanon has enabled me to be better at keeping the focus on myself as mm. I'm encouraged to do. And in that relationship with myself that starts to build and change, I recognize that detachment from myself is really important. You know, I see a change in my mood, a change in my energy, a change in, in my phase from one to another. I can feel extroverted for a while or introverted for a while. I can feel up for a while or down for a while. And to have some detachment from it so that I'm not, again, as I said before, so close to it, if I have some detachment from myself, then I, I, I can see it as part of the rhythm of life, part of the, the light and the shadow of life. And uh, I start to treat myself with a little more equanimity and, and gentleness, and then I can behave that way with other people. It really is important for, for me to take myself in stride. Mm, very much so. That makes me think of the phrase, you know, we'll um, come to know the vastness of our emotions, but we'll not be slaves to them. I really hold that phrase, like, as often as I can remember that phrase, I hold it because wow to not be a slave to my emotion and to have them and to, to have them. all of them i get to have all i can be upset with someone and still have a nice time at dinner like whoa or you know? i can be upset with you and still love you yeah yeah or i can be um anxious and excited often they're similar feelings I don't have to just be one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that allows for, that's allowing for your own emotional state, right, to be whatever it is, but also then it sort of talks back to letting the other person's emotional state be and more of their physical and mental states and all those other states. I mean, the whole part about, you know, mm -hmm. cheating them out of an opportunity to learn and grow, and it's said in a lot of ways in our literature that essentially by being enabling, we've actually done a disservice, an unkind thing to people. Yeah. And um, I think that's the hardest thing because if you want to watch, it's hard to watch someone fail, particularly for me. And again, I'm just going back to that. 
when they're telling you, if you don't do this, I will fail repeatedly. There's lots of situations where nobody fucking asked me and I got involved because I thought they were going to fail. And then whatever, I was right or wrong or who fucking cares. But then there are certain situations, the really painful ones, where the person is like, no, you don't understand. You will have to do this or I will die or I will fail or what have you, kind of referencing back to your family. And to actually say, okay, well, I don't, I'm going to not believe that even though it's so real and I'm going to let that experience happen is just so challenging to me. And I wonder if you have some more specificity about that in your, in your childhood or maybe with your mother or your sister that you could share. You know, I, I, I look at the examples of my family. The one sister I spoke of is younger than I. I have a sister uh, uh, who was older than I, and she did commit suicide. She was not involved in alcohol or drugs to the uh, best of my own knowing. Um, but the, that family, you know, I thought I was responsible for my mother's depression and unhappiness. I thought I was responsible for my sister's experience around, around drinking and drugs and, and her experience with men when she was younger. I, I have had my sister pull on me in the way that you speak of. You know, I have had her ask me for help in ways that I thought I could give and uh, which I now see that I failed because I, I was in able to give that. No other person would be able to give that. Potentially a professional might be able to guide her to a healthier place to make better choices for herself. But yeah, I, I, I've seen that act out. Once again, my faulty memory doesn't come up with, <laughs> with a clever example, but I have seen it act out. Claire, do you have an example of having to let somebody fail and having to watch it? Uh... Um, my sister was having a really hard time late, early, like early this year. You shouldn't like, say well, fail, I should say struggle. Sure, Sorry, yeah, struggle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fail to... is so weighted and judgy. Well, coming from you, I'm not surprised. Um, I think it's in the literature, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Okay, never mind. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so... You know, she had like been gone through a little, like a little bit of a breakup, do 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 whatever. Um, had this th thing at work happen that was really scary, like a year ago, and then so she, then she had to quit, and then she had to like go to court and all this stuff. Um, anyways, and so she started a new job, and then she had like an anxiety attack at this job, and my other they live in the same state, and my other sister went and picked her up from work. And um, I had been talking to her, so I knew she was, like, struggling. And I had said it once, you could say it once, you know, before I really, they know that I'm very open about my program. I talk about Al-Anon with them. Um, and I had really wanted her to get into program before, of course, but I, like, let, I don't push other people but myself anymore, um, you know. And shortly after that, she started going to meetings. It's none of my business, it's none of my business, you know. And I kept thinking, gosh, she had to. Ha she probably needed that experience in order to give herself what she really needed. She works at a greenhouse now. She's been a gardener her whole life. She used to be a florist. Like she loves plants, and she's so happy. And I talked to her the other day, and she was like, "I'm just, you know, what we did today. We were just, we were taking care of the plants outside, and then it started to rain. And my boss was like, I guess we're gonna go in and do some trimmings instead.'" And she was like, I didn't have that before in work. It would have been, God, why is it raining? You know, not, well, let's just go do this other thing. And, like, if I get involved in other people's lives, no matter how painful it is to for me to step aside because I love them, they don't get to have that. That's recovery. I was like, fuck yeah, Sarah. I hear you. I hear you. That's beautiful. I'm so glad you got to go in the greenhouse and do trimmings. I don't, yeah. I don't know if she would have gotten there yeah. had I tried to. To fucking save her. It's well, not my job. And the hubris of knowing that we know what would be the right move. Um, but it's hard when other people are asking you to save them, to not save them. I think that I think a lot of people in this program struggle with that, particularly living with addicts, uh, which I don't currently live with an alcoholic or an addict. But, yeah, yeah. You know, people who I hear in the rooms, you know, they're going through that on a daily basis, you know, or pick, mm -hmm. not picking people up from jail or mm -hmm. not, you know, taking them or not taking them to rehab or mm -hmm. not giving them money or returning phone calls. And you know, I think three of us are potentially in a unique situation that we're not actively engaging in it yes. daily, but I think a lot of people yes. in this program are actively engaging yes. in it daily. So it's an interesting topic for me for that reason. 
Yeah. I heard a leader at a meeting yesterday talk about the moment when he did not take his drunk wife in from the car when they got home from their evening out and for the mm. first time was able to allow her to stay asleep in the car and go in and go to bed. And wow. that was one of those moments yeah. we were asking for that he was able to share with us at a meeting yesterday. Yes. And, uh, you know, it didn't take that long for me to at least intellectually understand that I was incapable of saving anyone. Mm. My brain was very ready and willing to receive that information. It took longer for it to fall into my body and into my heart. Mm -hmm. But knowing it as obviously true, because I wasn't a young person when I got to Al-Anon, knowing it to be obviously true was, was quick for me. And, uh, it, you know, it wasn't my partner or my family member or my, my close friend, so... You know. Well, and the contrary action helps you. I mean, for so many years, I just had to do it because that's what I was told to do, even though it didn't feel right at all to not do that. But they were right. <laughs> the, the fellows were right. That was the best move. It got me where I needed to go. And the idea that nothing new is going to feel comfortable, any new behavior is going to feel uncomfortable. The other thing I've come to understand is that when I practice new behaviors, the old behaviors really try to reassert themselves. Mm. I, I almost look at it as some kind of a mini horror movie, you know. <laughs> and I, <laughs> the zombies rise. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Something reaching out from the grave to drag me back to the old pattern. And uh, I, I have a often funny relationship to it. I don't take it as seriously as I used to. Mm. Yeah. I think it's time for... Some slogans. Is it time for slogans? It feels like it might be. The game time? Yeah. All right. Okay, now we're going to play a game. It's called... It's called Which of These is Not a Slogan? So and Claire, exciting. why don't you be our game master today? Happy to, Corey. All right, John. We've got four slogans here on the table, and it's your job to decide which is not a slogan. What do I win? You win a Everybody brand new asks Cadillac. This. this is great. You win a Kia Soul? Oh, a my gray car. Kia Soul. My vehicle. You get the pink. This is like a drag race. The you almost clean day. vehicle? Yeah. The Clarons? <laughs> She'll clean it up for you before I she gives okay. it to you. I didn't She'll spend three hours on it. Three hours, please. She gets a Q-tip in there. And... <laughs> Which is also an acronym in Al-Anon called. Q-tip? Yeah, quit taking it personally. Just yeah. only think of it that way now. I mean, so isn't everything an acronym sure. in Al-Anon? But that's not one of the slogans on our roster today. The four slogans of which one is not, John, are keep an open mind, but for the grace of God go I. Together we can make it. Just for today, which of these are not a slogan? What's the first one again? Keep an open mind. Gee, you guys are good. <laughs> we knew you were an all-star, so we had to make it tough. You for guys you. are good. We dug deep. We dug deep. Deep in the bottom of the barrel. Keep an Read them all again, please. Okay. Keep an open mind. But for the grace of God, go I. Together, we can make it just for today. I guess together we can make it. And what do we have for him? That is incorrect. What is it? It is, but for the grace of God, go I. The slogan is simply, but for the grace of God. It was a trick. <laughs> it's a little tricky. It was a trick one. But together we can make it. We did not know it was a slogan until we started playing like oh. this podcast. We're like, it's, that's a slogan? I was like, I'm sorry, what? Are we like <laughs> waltzing into war? Kind of. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. I hadn't heard that one. I hadn't till now. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Oh. I always, I didn't. Clearly, I this, I'm a failure. I have I mean, to use this as information. I, I mean, as ammunition, not information. I know. I, was, I suggest I, I was at least worried. an hour of self-flagellation. <laughs> Thank you when so you get much. Home, Feeling better already. I'll get you some rope. Um, I was worried that I, I was Al-Anon worried that you were gonna hurt yourself. No, you I will. That it was Promise too I will. You're responsible yeah. for it, Claire. So, um, the. So the slogan is, but for the grace of God, which I actually was surprised was a slogan. I know we talk about that a lot, but it is a slogan. Um, so let's talk about that slogan. Yeah, John, do you use um, the slogan or the concept of, but for the grace of God? I use the concept. 
I use the concept, especially when I was talking about the self-righteousness I have around alcoholism, you know, the, mm-hmm. the ability I have to judge and feel superior because I don't have that particular disease. Um, you know, I, I, I need to be reminded all the time that uh, it's not a matter of my will and my genius and my saintliness, that all of it is a matter of my learning and practicing and practicing means that sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. And Al-Anon is a practice, a spiritual practice. And, you know, hit or miss on some level and uh, hit more often the more I practice, but still hit or miss. So, uh, yeah, I, I certainly do use the concept. Do you, Claire? Yeah, I think the way that I apply it, um, <laughs> Cor and I talk about this and I always get a lot of shit back from him. But um, I don't believe you. You know, if this is how it's going, then this is how it's to be, is how, which is like, but for the grace of, for the, the grace of God to me is allowing myself to step back and let things be what they are um, and be in a, uh, awareness, acceptance, and action and be in self-love and self-care. Uh, you know, uh, things happen every day that I think should be a different way, simply, which is very hysterical, historical most of the time. Um, and I get to be so detached from it now that I get to go, Oh, I'm just, I'm running a little late, and maybe God just wanted that for me. Maybe that's the, the grace of God for me is to not let that ruin anything else, to not have to have this one thing over here be attached to the outcome of anything else, you know, and show up for stuff that's uncomfortable, you know, like you're saying, and, and, and um, understand that... The, the God space, the growing space for me is often in discomfort, is often an opportunity. My God only gives me opportunity. You know, I spilled coffee. <laughs> I spilled Corey's coffee uh, when we were waiting outside before Which, we came credit, into the room. you did room. make, so I feel like it's okay I that did you make spilled it. it. And then I spilled it because I didn't see it was behind his bag. I'm totally justifying. But that's how my brain, my, my brain works. You know, it was like I wanted to feel bad about it. And then I was like, Claire, you didn't even see it back there. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then I was like cleaning the floor. And I was like, this is the cleanest this floor has probably ever been. And I was like, what a gift. Thanks, God. I'm so happy I get to be of service and clean this floor. And then I was like, you know? I think that I had too much coffee. If, if the full thing was full, I would have drank the whole that's thing. Right. And then I would have been too wired. And you were talking about how you and were worried like, about drinking too, too much, much coffee. coffee. Yeah. That's what you were doing. I'm just taking saying. Care of I mean, like, did HP go, like, gracefully, hey, there you go, opportunity, if you want it. Because I have more coffee over here, but I didn't fill Corey's cup up. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, what about you? I use this slogan a lot, and oh. I, I use it, uh, it comes in my brain, I don't use it, it comes into my brain, and it's always in relation to people. So it's often driving around Los Angeles, we have an epidemic homelessness problem, and it's often in, in seeing people who are struggling that I think I think that phrase goes, all right, that phrase goes through my brain. And also, I, when I see people who are, are really ill, like mentally ill particularly, um, because I have experienced versions of that, and I have ex- I've never experienced homelessness or poverty, but, you know, I've definitely experienced medical conditions and ment- all that stuff. So the idea that something could spiral out or that some situation could spiral to a place that you would end up there feels, you know, possible, at least. And it was my greatest fear. For most of my life that you that something could start that could not be undone and it would just continue to domino until you know you were basically dead or usually it's death is the end of life. usually which now feels like a total relief like all right fine i'll be dead but um <laughs> back then it was so terrible that i would no longer exist um so i think about that a lot and it, to me what i was thinking about in your share is that that slogan helps me create that space because i didn't know skin boundary as a concept so when someone was ill or homeless, I was like, I have to feel how they're feeling. I need to be there emotionally. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not an empathetic human. I'm not a good mm-hmm. person, whatever. And of course, it doesn't do me disservice. And I don't have any idea what circumstances they fell under or what choices they made that brought them to wherever they are. Um, and I've seen a lot of people who've had a lot of problems who've been able to help themselves. And I've seen a lot of people who haven't. So I think for the grace of God is, is that to me that it's usually the grace to to be active, to be given the tools and the choices to not be in those situations. I feel similar to you, and that's the way I use it as well. I was thinking while both of you were talking that it also relates to compare and despair, Mm. because it's kind of the opposite side of that coin. Mm -hmm. 
and that's the way I use it. So, uh, you know, it's compare and be grateful. Yeah. Mm. Always good to be in gratitude. And I'm really, really grateful that you came and joined us today. Thank you. I'm me glad too. you guys asked me. Thank you. Number two. I just want to say that it's interesting. Didn't intentionally plan this, but our slogan goes really well with our topic. Mm-hmm. But that really wasn't um, intentional. I mean, true. it wasn't intentional. They were Doesn't separate things that well we together. did. <laughs> it does all go well together. Also, it does. But really like possible. really, but for the grace of God being a slogan to, uh, you know, bring to the front of I'm okay whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. I'm okay whether fill in the blank is going on or not because I get to be with the grace of God. I get to move forward with the grace of God. Way to wrap it up, Claire. Slash HP. Because some people don't up. like the word God. I didn't like the word yeah. God either. So HP, higher what power, whatever you want. Waves in the ocean, trees, fucking Are spirits. You right now? I'm just. What's happening? I don't know. I do. I'm making a lot of hand gestures. I think, I think you've run out of. Um, when I get down I think your crank is wound a little HP. too tight. Yeah. Too uh, much caffeine. We gotta let that one uh, unwind well, in the parking lot. Well, I hear lot you. This. And you might be right. <laughs> you might be right. Well, John, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk. We like to end with um, asking our guests and ourselves what we want to work on in our program this week. Well, what's in my mind right now, which may or may not stick in my mind, is that I want <laughs> I want to work on accepting where I am emotionally and energetically this week mm-hmm. with gratitude and openness. I love it. What you, Claire? Um, being present getting the gift of the present by being in it i mean i really don't have any more work to do in the program oh right yeah so you graduate you're graduating purpose, aren't you but if i had to pick something uh-huh uh, if you were forced if i was forced right uh it would be i'm gonna work on being comfortable with everything being good you know and not looking for a problem to feel that i'm in control mm. just let it be what it is mm. work on that i love that well that's it for crosstalk Claire, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I would like to say that the opinions expressed here were strictly of the person that gave them. Please take what you like and leave the rest. Again, we are not affiliated with Al-Anon or any other 12-step program. Um, We are all here because we share the love of program that we practice individually. We all have our own programs that we work. um, And we do encourage anyone who's listening to explore our program. Uh, If you're a newcomer, you know, we... The program suggests you try six different meetings to see if it's right for you or not. Um, And if you just want like listening to us because we're fucking awesome, that's great too. And that's it. Yeah, we really hope that you keep Keep coming coming back. back. Subscribe because I think there's subscribe buttons. There will be.